Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Great to have you with us. This is probably the last month that we will be going through this uh, series that we've been doing, looking at the four areas that make a strong believer. And that's the areas of uh, foundation, family, Holy Spirit, and mission. Now, if you get strong in those, then it just overflows. You're strong in a lot of things. Last week, we spoke about foundation, understanding that God has a better plan for your life. He has a better plan, a better plan. I want you to hear that. If we're not living it, it's there. It's there. There's a better plan. And uh, we have an incredible opportunity before each and every one who believes and to have that life uh, and life to the full that Jesus promised. Um, I, I don't understand why we settle for less. I don't understand why we settle for less. To me, it's a waste. But today, today we're going to be talking about family. One of the most important areas uh, in our life you know, without belonging to a family, uh, it would be very hard for humanity to survive, I think. And it's the same in the church. It's the same in the church. That is why God is so focused on family. You read the Bible from Genesis right the way through. Family was dominant in every book, in, in every place. The church is one large family. You know, made up of multiple families. The, uh, the body's the same. The body is made up of multiple cells. And each individual cell in the body plays its part. And so together, the body functions strong and healthy. And uh, it's so important for every cell in the body to be kept healthy. Every cell in your body to be kept healthy. And it's so important that every family in the church to be made strong. That makes a strong church. That makes a strong future for generations. So I want to look at that today. I want to look at uh, the elements that make a, a strong family. And if you turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Reading for verse 4, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Again, in the Bible, the is using the example of living stones, you know, being brought together um, to be built into a spiritual house. Uh, Jesus is the cornerstone, we know that. He is the very anchor. And all the believers join together and, and we become the church, one church, one body, one family. So you can see the, <coughs> see the importance of every Christian family coming together 
and being strong so that the church can be effective. Because we're not here to be an organization. We're here because we have a mission. Amen? So we come together with that one mind, that one view, that one approach that, that, that you know, together we can achieve the mission that God wants us to achieve. Let's read verses 9 and 10 in that same chapter 2 of 1 Peter. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Three things. The first one today is that we've got to know our identity in verse 9. Very simple. You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. Peter is, is highlighting a very important point because, particularly for the Jews, because, you know, there was a bit of confusion at this time because the Jews understood that they were already the chosen ones. And the problem was that if they chose this new way, if they chose to follow Jesus Christ, would they lose that identity? Peter reassures them. He had to explain that it's, it's not a break away from, but it's a continuation of. Why is that? Because God's plan is much bigger than one nation. God's plan was, was every nation under sun coming together as the body of Christ, as the church, as one people, one body, one family. That was God's plan. Philippians chapter 2, 9 to 11 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that must be for the coal miners, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Everyone coming together as one family. And we're all brought here, aren't we, from all walks of life. Different cultures, different upbringings, you know, different challenges that we've, we've all taken on into this one new identity to follow Jesus Christ. To follow Jesus Christ. You who were called out of darkness into his wonderful light. You've got to know your identity. You've got to know your identity. You've got to teach your children your identity. Who we are. Amen? I think sometimes in a secular world that we spend so much time in, we tend to forget who we are. Or we tend to water down to minimize who we are. That's not God's plan. We've got to know who we are. We've got to teach our children that we are not of this world. 
We are not the world. We are not the same as the world. We're just not. Now, I've heard Christians say, oh, well, you know, um, we're no better than the world and we're no better than anyone else. Rubbish. You better be. Amen. I'm not saying that with arrogance. I'm not saying that boasting or, or putting ourselves above anyone else. I'm saying that because the creator of heaven and earth lives in me. The very influence of Christ upon my life. If I'm not different, something's wrong. Amen. If I follow his truth, if I apply his word, if I allow his love to pour into my heart and I'm the same, no way. I'm better than that. I'm better than that. And he wouldn't have married. I wouldn't still be married if I was the same as when I first met her. That right, honey? Oh, gee, she's, she's a gracious woman, isn't she? Poor little kitten. She saw me there and said, I want, yeah, I want him. And who could blame her? We're not the same, folks. I'm not saying we're better or more valuable than Jesus died for everyone, whether they believe in him or not. He died for them all. So on that level, we're equal, but we are not the same. We've got too much given to us, too much purchased for us, too much crucified for us to be the same as the world, to be no different. Doesn't make sense to me. Know your identity. We spoke about this last week in Ephesians 4, verse 14. It says, then we are no longer be infants tossed backwards and forth by the waves and blown here and there in, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Why is that? Why is that? Why, why aren't we affected by that anymore? Because we know who we are. And more importantly, we know whose we are. We know whose we are. We were purchased with a price. We belong to Him. We know our identity. And it's never more important than in this day in which we live. I have never seen the church so secular. I have never seen in my lifetime the church as secular as it is today. And folks, we've got to turn that around. We've got to know who we are and stand up for that and be proud of that. You see, here's the thing. Water finds the lowest level. Amen? Amen? Water finds the lowest level. If you don't know who you are and if you don't make that stand and you don't start to move forward in the things of God, what will happen is your life will, will retreat to the lowest level. It'll just go back to the lowest level. And God died for more than that for your life. Know your identity. Secondly today, know your purpose. Know your purpose in verse 9, 
It says there that, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Your purpose, he says here, is that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. I love this. That's my job. That's my inheritance, to declare the praises of him. To to declare to my world the goodness of God in my life. Not to boast again or to be arrogant, but to walk with him in such a way that I go from victory to victory to victory to victory and the world can't help but to look in envy. Not that my world's perfect. Not that my days are perfect, no. But I live with purpose. And you can't hide that. You can't hide that when you live with purpose. This is why Christianity exploded in the day. This is why they couldn't stop it. They burned them at the stake. They threw them to lions. They crucified them, and yet they flourished. They flourished. Why? Because they lived with purpose. They encountered this amazing God, this one who set them free. This amazing God that touched their lives, that impacted their heart. I tell you, Friday night, Saturday night in this place, there were kids on this altar that had a touch of God that they'll never forget for the rest of their life. They found him. They found him for real in their hearts and they will carry that forever. Carry that forever. The one who has washed us clean, the one who has set us free from the guilt that weighs us down and keeps us small. The one who gave his life for them. Our job is to declare his praises. Declare his praises. That, you know, my life used to be a mess. It was tragic. It was, it was uh, dysfunctional. But today I can stand whole and strong and free and alive and powerful and victorious. That's the praises I sing of my God. I defy the work of the enemy by being victorious in my life. The world can't help but notice. They can't help but notice. Paul said to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8, He said, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing called living with purpose. It's called living with purpose. Do you, want, do you want that to be the testimony of your life? Better still, do you want that to be the testimony of your family? 
the testimony of your children and your children's children. Look, I've watched over the years and I know the families that have the best chance to finish well. I watch families, it's what I do. I know the ones that have the best chance to finish well. And they live with purpose. They live with purpose. They made a decision, whatever time ago. They put a stake in the ground. They made a stand. They crossed the line, whatever it was. They went from that darkness into his wonderful light and said, this is who we are from this day forward. Mum, dad, kids, this is who we are. That's it. Come to church as a family. Serve in the house as a family. Consistent. Consistent. Now, I know everyone's life these days is, you know, it's not possible for everyone. Please understand what I'm saying. We have fly-in, fly-out workers. They're only here two Sundays a month. We've got, you know, shift workers, you know, people that, that shift stage can't, you know, everyone's life is different. But what I'm saying is this, if you've got the opportunity to, if you've got the opportunity to, don't pass it up. If you, could, if you could do it, then make the decision, make the stand. No, as a family, we'll live with purpose. His purpose. Amen? I tell you, I've, I've, I've got decades in this now. I've seen the results. I know who wins. I know who is victorious. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.16, he reminded me of that this morning, it won't be up on the screen, but he said, therefore I urge you to imitate me. Paul was trying to build churches all over the known world. And he makes this statement, he said, therefore I urge you to imitate me. Not him as a man, but him as a believer. Him as a man that was on a mission. Him as a man that lived with purpose. And I thought about that and I thought, man, what a great thing for us to grab a hold of today. I'm not talking arrogant. I'm not talking boastful. I'm not talking being, I'm talking about making a decision to live a life that, that gives him praise that gives him praise so much so that we can declare, imitate my life, you'll be better off. If you imitate my life in God, you'll have victory after victory after victory. It's powerful, isn't it? Living with purpose. And the third one today is about vision. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Can you see the progression? 
Can you see the progression of what's going on here? Once you were not a people, once you had not received mercy, but now you have. Once you had no identity, but now you're chosen. Once you had no purpose, but now you live with purpose. And the next step in the progression is what's your vision for the future? Because I can tell you right now, you have a future and you have a hope despite of what is happening on the planet today. The people of God still have a future and a hope and we should never forget that. And we should still be focused upon that. Don't be distracted by all the stuff left and right. Keep your vision alive. So one thing I love about Christianity. It's not stagnant. It's fluid. The possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless. You say, oh, pastor, I'm in a really hard place right now. Yeah, that's now, but the possibilities are endless. He said, though I walk through the valley of death. You walk through the valley. You don't camp there. Why? Because the possibilities are endless. In God, the possibilities are endless. Don't you want that for your children? As a family of God, don't you want that for the generations? Endless possibilities. See, the biggest challenge that I've always had in life is to overcome a small mindset. I battle that. I battle that all the time. I'm small in my thinking. In my upbringing, you know, we were expected to fail. That was just, why do you bother? It's never going to work. You know, life is not going to let you win. That's what I was raised on, you know. Don't bother. You're hopeless. You'll never make it. Wrong side of the tracks. You'll never be good enough. We even had a dog called Loser. True story. Seriously, who calls their dog Loser? And I've got to tell you, he was the mangy little thing. I don't know what it was, some hybrid stray. People pay thousands of dollars for dogs today. I think this was about 84 cents. (laughs) Poor little Loser, I don't even know his pedigree. But we prophesied it over him every time we called him for dinner. Loser! Come on, loser! Come on, loser! Who does that? What mindset is that? Then I came to church. I met God and I heard scriptures like 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen? No loser in that. I brought my family into this church, into his church at the time. After a while, that small thinking got a little bigger. Got a little bigger. I started to see what was possible. I started to kick down the barriers 
that the generations had built up that was holding me back. Barriers that I pray my kids will never have to kick down because I've already done it. They'll have their own barriers, but they won't be kicking down mine. What's your dream? What's your vision for you and your family for the future? What's your dream? What's what's your vision? Can I encourage you today? Double it. Double it. It's too small. It's too small because the possibilities are endless. Don't take 30% and be happy. Don't take 50% be happy. 100%. 100% is what we are promised. Having life and life to the full. I want it. If you're challenged like me often about small thinking and and then do it for your family. If it's too big a stretch to do it for you, do it for your kids. Give them someone to imitate. Imitate that will do them well, that will keep them strong, that will keep them victorious. That's what family do, amen? That's what family's all about. No one loves them more than you. Don't leave it up to the teacher. Don't leave it up to the internet. Don't leave it up to society, the ideals that are out there. It's your job. Amen. And the possibilities are endless. They're endless. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you so much for your word into our hearts. Thank you much in this season, in this place, Lord, that that you reign supreme, that you are the champion, undefeated, that you've won every battle that we need to fight. And we need to step up and take a hold of everything, everything. Take every bit of ground that you have won for us in victory through Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand this morning. Mikey, can we sing this song? Why don't you just stand for a moment with me? Sing this song in the declaration. I didn't know they were playing this song today. I'm standing down there. I know what's on my heart. And I'm saying, God, you're amazing. We need to grab this. This is prophetic today. Sing it with all your heart, with all your might. Amen. Thanks, Mike.